0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Uh, a, a, a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul dotino Down the sideline, into the end zone. Down giant From the off season, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giant
0: Giant step. step.
2: All right, a happy Halloween as we were tricked as Giant fans up in Seattle for both predicting a win on one Giant Step, but you get the treat, and the treat is. Paul Dettino and myself, Sean Moresh, here on one giant step. Paul, hello. You're already loving my puns today.
1: Ah, uh, Sean, uh, what could be sweeter than some of those things to start the morning? Uh, good morning to you. And hey, six and two at the buy. Let's uh, let's hash it out.
2: Yeah, so let's hash it out. Um, I th- I think it's. You, very level-headed as am I. Okay, the great scheme of things is the Giants have hit the bye week at 6-2. and two. It feels slightly disappointing, but probably a little greedy that we thought they would be 7-1, and one, especially when you consider feels like that's a team where preseason you thought the Giants should win that game. But you know what? They also beat the Ravens and Packers games that you would have thought they would have lost. Titans as well you could throw in there. As far as the Seattle game goes, and we're coming off of Sunday's game. Okay. There's different ways to break this down and away we go. Number one, Paul, I don't know where your biggest issue and blame game is going to fall. And mine's not going to come really on player wise, so to speak. I mean, Richie James for sure, but I know that they are very short at wide receiver. I know that with that crowd in Seattle, having two new starters on the offensive line off injuries, I understand all of that. And I understand that they might be a little gassed and Saquon running down to me though. That was way too a conservative too much of a conservative game plan yesterday, including by the way, the end of the first half where you had more than enough time with a good field goal kicker and Graham Gano to try to make something happen, and the Giants just really fell back. And if you're going to play that conservative ball, well, boom, those two fumbles that happened with Richie James, you're going to take away two precious possessions from the Giants. It's going to come back to haunt you.
1: Well, I don't know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really that upset about it, and I'll tell you why. The Giants have had four come from behind victories in the fourth quarter this season. And despite everything, because this was by far their worst overall performance of the year. Agree. They've got this game at 1313 early in the fourth quarter, which quite frankly is exactly where they want it to be. That's been the Giants game plan. That's been their True. MO 1313 early fourth quarter. They're a fourth quarter team. They have been conservative. They have been pounding the rock, and eventually the rock crumbles. The running game gets going, and the team eventually pulls it out. That's the way the script has been written. So if they've gotten to 6-1 and using that script, I can't criticize them when they lose a game in Seattle on Sunday
2: when they basically kind of followed the same MO. So I do understand that point of view. And by the way, at 13-13, I was like you yesterday. I said, you know what? Giants muck it up. This is how they've come back and won all of these games. But I think what we were hit with was a reminder yesterday. Yes, this is still a process. Yes, talent-wise, the Giants still have a long way to go. But when you play games this way, and the Giants have won, obviously you said plenty of them. Well, when Richie James pops the ball out there in the fourth quarter with six minutes left it's going to demoralize you because you're playing for the razor thin margin and you can't afford those turnovers special teams, Paul, we've been the special teams podcast. Uh, And I don't know what the right play there is on the second one from Richie James after he's already fumbled one time. I mean, they handed, literally handed the Seahawks 17 points by having those two fumbles, and that's the difference in the football game. I don't know whether the play is to tell Richie James to fair catch it, but this, to me, will always be remembered as the Richie James game for me, and if it conservatives your approach and it's worked for them before, well, damn, you're going to get burned if if you just, you know, razor thin, turn the ball over like that, and I, you almost could live with Daniel Jones or Saquon or somebody fumbling. You can't have Richie James fumble and punts, and that's why you're losing the margin. And that's why Bill Parcells
1: used to tell Phil McConkey, I don't care what you do in return yardage, just get me the ball. Get it into Phil's hands and we'll worry about the rest. Um, Richie James now has had a couple of games in a row where he's had trouble holding on to the football. Becoming a problem. And, And I will tell you, the second one in particular was a hell of a play by the Seahawks special teams punching it out. But it's inexcusable. And we have discussed this. In fact, on, on the MSG show last week, I had actually said going into this game, Richie James is going to need to play better and step up and give the Giants offense a little bit better field position than what he's been doing because since the opening game, I think he had averaged something like two yards per punt return. Right. And, and you know, again, do you want to go with the Makaki philosophy of just catch the ball? Or do you need this offense to get a little bit of a jump start? Um, I don't know. Should he have fair catch the ball? I, I guess that's that's always going to be a hindsight well, giving you
2: the correct answer. But I, I would will not tell have you said this, that. Sean, I was going to say I would well, not have said that on the first one. But once he's fumbled once and you're kind of on shaky ground, I think if you're Dable and the coaching staff, I think that's just a spot on the second one. You know what? Hey, play it safe here. Catch the football. We've already risked it once here today.
1: I wouldn't have had a problem if they did it. But I will also tell you, at the time it happened, I also didn't think it was necessary. So I will, I won't, I won't go back and revisit. Other than to say, at the time, I didn't think it was an issue. Uh, you could, quite honestly, if you're Dable, one of the things you could have done because they do have other guys like Donnie Holmes, for example, take punts during practice. Even Slayton does it, right? Uh, They have other guys, and maybe if they didn't feel comfortable with Richie in that in that point of the game, they always could have could have just changed it out. But whatever happened happened, and those two fumbles cost them a field goal and a touchdown. Not to mention momentum. And let's face it at that at that stage of the game, I got a an old basketball coach I do basketball games with. He always says, "It's not how many you make; it's when you make them." Yeah, and that
2: mistake could not have come at a worse time. It felt so deflating in real time, especially when you feel like maybe the Giants are getting a break when Lockett had dropped the other pass. Uh, It just, again, look, something like this was bound to happen. I mean, every great team, good team that has all this luck at some point, you know, things don't go your way, and that's exactly what unfolded on Sunday. But I thought for the most part, Paul – offensively, if we go back to the way the offense operated to have the three, three and outs to start the game, something that this giant team had not done uh, and had not done as a franchise in quite some time, not that they had hadn't been a second half team because their offense has always been a second half team, but that was a particularly way too slow way to start a game. And this just comes back to this. I mean, at some point the damn breaks on injuries, right? Saquon Barkley, you can't expect them to always do everything. You're looking around Marcus Johnson still leading his team and snaps at wide receiver, but ultimately now you're down two starters on the offensive line, although Nick Gates, the five snaps he played, seem to be clearing people out of the way. You got to wonder if he's close to finding his way into the starting lineup. But between those guys, they missed Daniel Bellinger greatly, both on the blocking and the receiving end. I mean, the bye week couldn't come in at, a, at a better time, but not all of these guys are clearly coming back here uh, for those next two games versus the Texans or Lions. Paul, I, I think offensive injuries have really caught up with this team. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt, and I also think the mental, emotional fatigue, the grind
1: of constantly winning games in the last few minutes, week yeah. after week after week after week, having the London trip just a few weeks ago, then having to do this trip, the two toughest trips in the National Football League logistically on your body. Uh, I I, I asked Saquon Barkley in the locker room after the game, were you guys gassed? It was 13-13, fourth quarter. Did you just run out of gas?" And he said no. I mean, that's Barkley's a stand-up guy. He's gonna say no. But I thought they looked gassed. I did. Now, yeah, it's interesting. You 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 wanted them to be a little more aggressive on the game planning, but they only ran the ball twice in the first quarter and they had three, three, and outs. And if
2: if you really want to complain, my complaint was they were throwing the ball too much. Maybe. But – I. And look, not that I know that the lanes are there and I'd have to go back on the all 22, but it it almost felt like they got away from trying to have some of that design Daniel Jones running stuff, too, that we saw in the second half last week. I would have liked that. It felt like it was it was Saquon or Boston. And then the passing game, you know, Jones completed a lot of those third downs. I think they had five of the third down completions in third and longs. And you have to wonder some of those routes, whether it's Slayton or what, I mean, are those routes just not there on early downs, Paul? Are they not trying to do those? Because it feels like Daniel Jones, when he gets in there and he has time and he sits back and can throw a laser, he can throw a laser. And, you know, he can complete these 10, 11-yard passes. And it just feels like they were in too many of those long-to-go situations. Well,
1: there were. There were. I want to give Seattle a lot of credit. I underestimated, based on what I saw during the course of the tape this season, That they were not going to be as stout as they were defensively. But the combination of the Giants having some repaired uh, parts on the offensive line, you mentioned Bellinger not being there. Look, I was fooled into thinking that what happened the previous week when Tyree Phillips came in and Azudu came in and they just pounded the ball and they did everything that we've seen for the first month and a half of the season. I was like, oh, well, my expectations are they'll probably be able to do the same thing again. Well,
2: that's not what happened. Well, Paul, Paul, I would also say, though, Tyree Phil, and I'm not trying to defend him or anything, but if the Giants and Seahawks just played this game in Jacksonville again, I do think they have a little bit of a better outcome. I think it was very clear there were serious communication issues with Daniel Jones getting these guys set and getting these guys ready with that noise.
1: clearly. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Uh, I, I was up in the box for the first half and on the field for the second half, and it was unbelievable. Uh, Phillips, I believe had two false start penalties, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Uh, and, and, and to be frank, I don't think the giants and there are people who keep track of this stuff and I don't keep track of how many times you're facing, uh, in the box defensive sets. It's not one of the numbers that I keep, but I will tell you, my gut feeling is telling me that Seattle did pack the box more than anybody else against the Giants this year, specifically on early downs, which clearly impeded some of what the Giants were trying to do. And then Barkley, in my opinion, didn't have nearly as much room to run as he had. So I want to give Seattle a whole lot of credit for their scheme, their game plan, and their execution, and their physicality. I I thought they really were hungry along the line of scrimmage. Although I will tell you, Sean, there were at least at least three or four runs during the course of the day, where I thought the Giants were probably a shoelace from having a big play,
2: and and, and I felt Jones like that or for Barkley sure. Got tripped up, the Jones one specifically. I remember that clearly. Yeah. Before we go to the defensive side of the ball, just because I had mentioned his name, it's worth reiterating, Paul. I mean, that's that is an impressive five snaps from Nick Gates getting feisty, clearing the way on the touchdown. I mean, he's a guy clearly every giant fan we're going to root for, but you look around at some of the giants offensive line woes over the past years. And Nick Gates was a guy that truly developed and came along, you know, I don't mean to accelerate this process, but he's active now for a game here week eight ahead of the bye, and he's moving bodies. Not that Feliciano's going to lose his his center job by any means, but we've had kind of a rotating, uh, you know, door here at left guard. I know they signed Gluwinski to be there. I mean, at what point do do you think it takes another injury before you can see Nick Gates starting a game on the offensive line here? Well, the team is in today
1: for corrections as we tape this on Monday morning. Uh, I believe some of the guys will be in for treatments again and maybe some film work on Tuesday, uh, maybe. And then they're off the rest of the week until they they get back, uh, you know, because they have the bye week coming up this weekend. So physically I don't think they're going to be hitting the practice field again until Monday of next week. Now I knew that Gates was going to be kind of partitioned in, if you will, a little bit. And he was with those five snaps. But I don't think there's any doubt that if he continues to show what he's shown so far at practice, they will accelerate his development. And I don't think it's out of the question, and I said this last week, that at some point you may see him inserted into the starting lineup. It could be at either guard spot. It could be at the center spot. Does it really
2: matter? If he's one of the best fives, shouldn't he be on the field? I right. look. I agree, Paul, and I think that it's worth noting. And the reason I say that, and this could kind of transition to the defensive part of it, is that this coaching staff has shown that they will. Doesn't matter who you know basically starts the season as some kind of starter, they will adjust if somebody's outperforming and, and worthy enough offensively. I mean, geez, Marcus Johnson was on the practice squad. I mean, again, I still think the Giants need to upgrade at wide receiver, but he's playing all these snaps when David Sills was the guy playing the majority of the snaps earlier right. in the year. He's now leading the snaps. But defensively, we saw it um, obviously. Uh, geez, now I'm stumbled over yesterday with Jalen Smith and clearly Tay Crowder. They they slide Tay Crowder over. Now it was Jalen Smith playing more of the Mike linebacker. Oh, by the way, we saw it with Jalen Smith kind of coming in with Austin Calitro, who started the year. This is a team that's not afraid to make adjustments based on performance, which is why I bring up the Nick Gates thing. And it leads me right into the defensive thing. What did you think of? Because I, I was a fan of it. I think like, Tate Crowder was much better as a Will kind linebacker next to Blake Martinez. And to do that now and have Jalen Smith kind of take over the mic duties, I was in favor of that yesterday, Paul.
1: Yeah, I thought that went pretty well. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Going into the game, I think certainly my philosophy, and I think it was theirs, and I I think most would agree, deal with Kenneth Walker. He had had two big games in a row and destroyed right. the Chargers the previous weekend. It seemed to me, take care of that run game, and Geno Smith probably is not going to be able to beat you by himself. Right. And they did take care of Walker. I mean, I the run defense was pretty damn good yesterday. I mean, I it, so. look, let me look at my notes here. I thought
2: that was Leonard Williams' best game of the year too, to be
1: honest. Leonard Williams was sensational. I want to say, what did they hold to Seattle? To three for 13 on third downs?
2: felt like that, yeah. I I I mean,
1: and I I even said to Julian Love after the game, I caught him on the field, all right, for the MSG show. And I said, Julian, you held them to under 90 yards rushing as a team, three for 13 on third downs, but yet you wind up giving up 27 points. If I told you that before the game, you would have said no, right? And, And what it obviously came down to, the two special teams uh, uh, fumbles, right. which which were, were gimme points. Jeez,
2: Paul, Paul, one of them, they didn't even need to move the ball. They literally, where they got right. the ball,
1: they kicked the three from. Right, right. So two special teams gimme, gimme, gimme uh, scoring opportunities. Obviously, the bomb where Adoree Jackson got beat. We know Lockett dropped one also, right. but then he got beat on the other side uh, with with a very similar play. Uh, busted coverage on Metcalf in the end zone. And by the way, the Giants practiced against Metcalf all week. They had a pseudo 14 going all week because they were prepping like he's going to play. Don't believe everybody else. And yet it it turned out to be that that was the case. And Metcalf killed him. He killed him. and And, And they had a busted coverage where Love and McKinney couldn't figure out who was supposed to cover him in the end zone. And so they gave
2: them a free touchdown there too which is what I was going to bring up next. And you and I might disagree on this. And and by the way, before you say that, I do want to give a little bit of a tip of the cap
1: to McFadden. Uh McFadden, McFadden played a lot. Yeah. Played a lot yesterday. I thought Landon Collins would play more, even though they elevated him. It was McFadden
2: who suddenly yeah. earned a whole ton of snaps. And and, and blue pa- he did okay. He blew pass cross for us. I mean, that was a legitimate sack. That wasn't any coverage sack. He blew pass cross and did that. And, oh, by the way, Timon Fox was great yesterday, too, all over the best field. Game, best game of his rookie season. Fox is becoming a bit of a player here for the Giants. He is. You know, not, not that he's a star, a stud by any uh, value, but a nice depth piece off the edge, sets the edge well. I like Timon Fox. But you bring up DK Metcalf and you bring up Tyler Lockett. And the reason – You know, I look at the difference in this game and see, not only is it Richie James fumbling the ball, but I mean, Paul, we could value picks and I'm all in favor of that. I do think it still behooves the Giants to find a way to do something at the wide receiver position, something with that. You don't have to give away the whole future to do it. I mean, if it got out of hand and you're talking about first, second round picks, I get it. I wouldn't do it. But there are enough names out there. Yes, they pull and Marcus Johnson's leading the team at snaps. They got, you know, we want to see the growth of Daniel Jones and really know give them something to work with here, Paul, something.
1: I Look, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you the receivers room is not challenged because it is Sean. I mean, they're, they're, there's so much overwhelming evidence that this, this core is so thin. They're clearly hampering the team. Um, yeah. The tight end position doesn't help. You know, Cajun got in for some snaps. They did throw him a pass. It didn't work out. Yeah. Oh, by I the way,
2: hoping- by the way, I thought that was Jones's worst play of the day. If he hits him on that, it could be. A I know. A ball game too. Dan- Daniel didn't play well. By the way, I, uh, we've kind of buried that part of it. It w- he did not play very well. It was it was a poor game for Daniel. Jones. Yeah, it was. Look, it wasn't a good game, but that was one of those games where I'm watching him play and I'm going, he's definitely not dealing with the crowd noise well trying to get these guys in the offensive line in order. But this is why I'm coming back to this. If he's well, not give gonna give him some play, help, right? right give him some the, help. If, if he's not going to play well, I want to know that it's completely on him that he's not playing well. And, ha- I mean, who the heck is getting open for this team? You know, Slayton did a good job yesterday, and I think Slayton has earned his keep that he should be here, being the dead. yes. Like, to me, it needs to be Slayton, Wondell Robinson, and somebody else. And if that somebody ends up being Kenny Galladay or Foster in the second half, and they really are exceptional – Fine, but I can't put my eggs in that basket. I I just can't, and I I'm sorry. I know that this is a process, but the fact remains that they are six and two in a week NFC. And do I think that adding Chase Claypool makes them a, a Super Bowl contender? No, I don't. But I also think that I want that because I want to know still about the future of my quarterback and the offense and everything else that goes with it. I want to see how this looks. I think trading for a wide receiver isn't just about this year. There's so much bigger thing. It's about the evaluation of the whole thing because I can't evaluate this damn thing with Marcus Johnson and David Sills playing. Somebody snaps.
1: Yeah. I, I was disappointed that Wondell Robinson did not get more targets. Only three. And the couple of passes that he caught were kind of worthless anyway. Uh, that disappointed me a lot. I will tell you, when I looked at this game and I said, okay, what were some of the gimmies or the things right. that I thought had to happen in this game? I mean, the, the the Seahawks, second most yards after the catch in the NFL. I mean, Wandell Robinson is the kind of guy in my mind who needed to be more featured in this passing game. I agree. And they, they didn't even basically even look at it all day long. That was a problem for me. I I needed more production out of him. And maybe if you had gotten that, you'd be a little less upset about the room right now. Right. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. The room does badly need an upgrade. I just don't know at what cost do you do it. And my feeling is that that Joe Shane is going
2: to need the right cost for him to pull the trigger. And I don't know that that's out there. Well, Paul, and this kind of is my problem. And, you know, this comes with everything in life, right? It's it's either this or the other. There's no middle ground on anything with everything in life, right? And my point on this is if you are anti the John Zane wide receiver, the reason I keep hearing is stay the course, stay the process, keep your picks, Joe Shane values picks. You can't, you know, this, that, and the other thing and the cap and all this. And it's about the future. It's not about this year. Then the counterpoint is, you know, your six wins, you got to do this, got to do this. But why can't it be about both? Why? You don't have to mortgage the entire future. I mean, if the Broncos right. are telling you that, you know, you got to give the second rounder up for Jerry Judy and that's it. And that's the end of it. Or, uh, you know, they get DJ Moore, Not only you take it on salary, we want to first pick Of course. You don't do that. But if you could find a way, I mean, geez, you know, the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs just gave us a three and a six for Kadarius Tony. Right. I mean, there there are deals like that out there, I'm sure. I'm sure there are where you can manipulate it, where you don't feel like you've just traded a whole next draft and abandoned ship. I I, I can't imagine that there's not a middle ground on this thing. I refuse to believe that. And by the way, I, I trust that Joe Shane is going to do his diligence too. So it's kind sure. of silly. I'm not I'm not yelling at Joe Shane. Don't do you know do it. I think he will do what's right for the team. But just this argument that they shouldn't do it because of this, that, and the other, I think is silly. Oh, I and and I'm with
1: you, Sean. I, I'm absolutely with you. If you can upgrade that room, you need to do it. And philosophically, I agree with you. I'm simply trying to tell you the reality of the situation is I'm not sure that Joe Shane is finding that right trading fit yeah. to make it happen, based on his reluctance to part with with high picks. That's all. I I, I just don't know that the climate yeah. is available for him to go swimming. Now, at I, the same time, okay, at the same time. The trade deadline is upon us now, and by the time we meet again, we will have the opportunity to see if any of these receivers actually do move and what their prices are. That will be a much more interesting conversation because either you or I will sit here and say, well, guess what? None of those guys who were supposed to be on the block moved, so clearly the prices were too high around the league, and you can't blame guys for not making
2: deals, or Someone's going to get traded for a sixth round pick, and you're going to be very angry. Exactly. No, you're right, though. It could be one way or another. I may be very upset, or or I'll live with it. But the here's my fear, Paul, because you mentioned Daniel Jones. I at six and two, I'm very happy. I'm so happy with the progress of the team. My fear here in the second half of the year is the team continues to win some games, has some losses like that. They get to that ten win marker, which only again takes four wins. They're in the playoffs. I don't want to have the, what do you do with Daniel Jones conversation? I want an answer. And to me, if this wide receiver position is not in some way tinkered with, or the attempt isn't there to upgrade, I don't know how you can actually answer that question. If you're leaning negatively towards Daniel Jones at the end of the year, I really don't know how you answer that. I think they're leaning positively towards Daniel Jones. Oh, you know what, Paul, before you finish, because I'm sorry, I'm thinking a mile a minute. The reason I bring this up is, what was the biggest question mark about the Philadelphia Eagles entering this year? When you looked at their roster was, yeah, but do they have a quarterback? And guess what? With A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts looks like a pretty damn good quarterback. (laughs) I think I might be the MVP of the league. The biggest question Philly had has been answered because you know he has wide receivers and you see what he looks like. Geno Smith as DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. My goodness, suddenly Geno Smith, the CLC looks may not be drafting a quarterback. And who looks like absolute butt cheeks right now? Aaron Rodgers, because he lost Devontae Adams. The point here is there's a pattern now in the NFL where I'm (laughs) seeing guys who had questions with that quarterback look like quarterbacks because they have wide receivers and guys who are great quarterbacks suddenly look like other crap because they have no wide receivers. I don't want that for Daniel Jones. (laughs) Perry Mason, you have made your case. <laughs> Damn it, Paul! Damn it! That was what it hit me. That's what I wanted to bring up. But there. You no, go. hey, again,
1: I, I want to make this very clear. I agree with you. I would love to see that receiving core upgraded. Uh, I, I think the one thing that 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 will disturb me a little bit as I look back over the first half of this Giants season during the bye week. I will be disturbed, obviously, that Galladay and Robinson did not give them more in the first half of the season. I will also be a bit more disturbed that Barkley was not giving them more downfield plays in the passing game. Barkley certainly has done a lot for this team, and I'm not blaming him in any way, shape, or form. What I'm saying is, but what I'm saying is, I did think that they would make him a little bit more of a vertical downfield threat. Running the wheel routes, lining him up outside, maybe a little bit more with empty backfields and so forth and so on, because he is a mismatch. Now, I've seen that stuff during the course of the offseason. And maybe that's why I got teased. And they haven't brought all that stuff out yet. I know it I know you guys are tired of hearing about this, but the fact of the matter is, they still have chapters that have yet to be opened.
2: Well. Hopefully, the second half, we see some of those damn chapters, Paul. <laughs> Not like my wife reading the same book on the beach for five years, and she never finishes it. All right, Paul. There's a lot of sand in those pages, too. It's, oh, a ton. Falls out of the SUV every time I open it up. Will you finish this damn thing already? All right. Paul, let's end with this on a lighter note, okay? We we're taping this on Halloween. What kind of candy does Paul Dettino give out at his house?
1: Uh, Kit Kats today. Ooh. Kit Kats, Three
2: Musketeers, m ms Okay. Uh, now, Paul. Do you give out based on what you like or what you think the kids like? Well, here's the thing.
1: We used to always give out what the what we thought the kids would like, right? right. And we'd be stuck with a lot of leftover candy because, obviously, in recent years, there have been many fewer children ringing doorbells, sure. okay? So what happens then, you have all this candy left over, and if you don't like that particular candy, Screw now what do you do with it? It sits there for who knows how long. And that doesn't do anybody any good. So a few years ago, I finally told told my wife, I said, listen, we should really start
2: trying to buy stuff that we know we can eat the leftovers for. Uh, Paul, it's not the worst take. There you go. (laughs) You're knocking on the Tatino house. It's Kit Kats for everybody. My father would love it. Uh, I'm going Twix and Snickers and all that good stuff as well. Uh, Hey, hey, who knows? And if you keep downloading, maybe you'll get more full-size bars at my house. So please subscribe, free on the Odyssey app. And, of course, anywhere podcasts are downloadable. Paul, you can follow you on Twitter. At Giants WFAN. And you can follow me at MirazCBS. Thanks for taking one giant step again. We love you. Happy Halloween, as we were tricked as Giant fans up in Seattle for both predicting a win on one giant step. But you get the treat, and the treat is Paul DeTino and myself, Sean Moresh, here on one giant step. Paul, hello. You're already loving my puns today. Ah,
1: Sean, uh, what could be sweeter than some of those things to start the morning? Uh, Good morning to you, and hey, six and two at the bye. Let's hash it out
2: yeah, so let's hash it out. um i th- I think it's you very level headed as am I. okay. The great scheme of things is the Giants have hit the bye week at six and two. It feels slightly disappointing, but probably a little greedy that we thought they would be seven and one, especially when you consider feels like that's a team where preseason you thought the Giants should win that game, but you know what? They also beat the Ravens and Packers games that you would have thought they would have lost. Titans as well you could throw in there. As far as the Seattle game goes, and we're coming off of Sunday's game. Okay, there's different ways to break this down, and away we go. Number one, Paul, I don't know where your biggest issue and blame game is going to fall. Mine's not going to come really on player-wise, so to speak. I mean, Richie James for sure, but I know that they are very short at wide receiver. I know that with that crowd in Seattle having two new starters on the offensive line off injuries, I understand all of that. And I understand that they might be a little gassed and Saquon running down to me, though. That was way too a conservative, too much of a conservative game plan yesterday, including, by the way, the end of the first half where you had more than enough time with a good field goal kicker and Graham Gano to try to make something happen And the Giants just really fell back. And if you're going to play that conservative ball, well, boom, those two fumbles that happened with Richie James, you're going to take away two precious possessions from the Giants. It's going to come back to haunt you.
1: Well, I don't know. Uh, I'm not not really that upset about it, and I'll tell you why. The Giants have had four come-from-behind victories in the fourth quarter this season. And despite everything, because this was by far their worst overall performance of the year, They've got this game at 13-13 early in the fourth quarter, which quite frankly is exactly where they want it to be. That's been the Giants' game plan. That's been their M.O. 13-13 early fourth quarter. They're a fourth quarter team. They have been conservative. They have been pounding the rock, and eventually the rock crumbles. The running game gets going, and the team eventually pulls it out. That's the way the script has been written. So if they've gotten to six and one using that script, I can't criticize them when they lose a game in Seattle on Sunday when they basically kind of followed the same
2: M.O. So I do understand that point of view. And by the way, at 1313, I was like you yesterday. I said, you know what? Giants muck it up. This is how they've come back and won all of these games. But I think what we were hit with was a reminder yesterday. Yes, this is still a process. Yes, talent-wise, the Giants still have a long way to go. But when you play games this way, and the Giants have won, obviously you said, plenty of them. Well, when Richie James pops the ball out there in the fourth quarter with six minutes left... It's gonna demoralize you because you're playing for the Razor thin margin and you can't afford those turnovers. Special teams, Paul. We've been in the special teams podcast. Uh, and I don't know what the right play there is on the second one from Richie James after he's already fumbled one time. I mean, they handed literally handed the Seahawks 17 points by having those two fumbles, and that's the difference of the football game. I don't know whether the play is to tell Richie James to fair catch it, but this to me will always be remembered as the Richie James game for me. And if it's conservatives, your approach and it's worked for them before. Well, damn, you're going to get burned if if you just, you know, razor thin, turn the ball over like that. And I, you almost could live with Daniel Jones or Saquon or somebody fumbling. You can't have Richie James fumbling punts, and that's why you're losing the margin. And that's why Bill Parcells used to tell Phil McConkey, I don't care what you do
1: in return yardage, just get me the ball. Get yeah. it into Phil's hands, and we'll worry about the rest. Um, Richie James now has had a couple of games in a row where he's had trouble holding on to the football. Becoming a problem. And and I will tell you, the second one in particular was a hell of a play by the Seahawks special teams punching it out. But it's inexcusable. And we have discussed this. In fact, on, on the MSG show last week, I had actually said going into this game, Richie James is going to need to play better and step up and give the Giants offense a little bit better field position than what he's been doing because since the opening game, I think he had averaged something like two yards per punt return. Right. And, and you know, again, do you want to go with the macaki philosophy of just catch the ball? Or do you need this offense to get a little bit of a jump start? Um, I don't know. Should he have fair catch the ball? I I guess
2: that's, that's always going to be a hindsight well, giving you the correct answer. But I, I will would not tell you have this, said Sean, that. I was going to say, I would oh, well, not have said that on the first one, but once he's fumbled once and you're kind of on shaky ground, I think if you're Dable and the coaching staff, I think that's just a spot on the second one. You know what? Hey, play it safe here, catch the football. We've already risked it once here today.
1: I wouldn't have had a problem if they did it, but I will also tell you at the time it happened, I also didn't think it was necessary. So I, w- I won't I won't go back and revisit other than to say at the time, I didn't think it was an issue. Uh, you could Quite honestly, if you're Dable, one of the things you could have done because they do have other guys like Darnay Holmes, for example, take punts during practice. Even Slayton does it, right? Uh, they have other guys, and maybe if they didn't feel comfortable with Richie in that in that point of the game, they always could have could have just changed it out. But whatever happened happened, and those two fumbles cost them a field goal and a touchdown. Not yeah. to mention momentum, and let's face it, at that at that stage of the game, I got a, an old basketball coach I do basketball games with. He always says, it's not how many you make, it's when
2: you make them. Yeah. Brutal. And that mistake could not have come at a worse time. It felt so deflating in real time, especially when you feel like maybe the Giants are getting a break when Lockett had dropped the other pass. Uh, It just, again, look, something like this was bound to happen. I mean, every great team, good team that has all this luck at some point, you know, things don't go your way. And that's exactly what unfolded on Sunday. But I thought for the most part, Paul, offensively, if we go back to the way the offense operated to have the three, three and outs to start the game, something that this giant team had not done uh, and not done as a franchise in quite some time. Not that they had, hadn't been a second half team because their offense has always been a second half team, but that was a particularly way too slow way to start a game. And this just comes back to this. I mean, at some point, the damn breaks on injuries, right? Saquon Barkley, you can't expect them to always do everything. You're looking around Marcus Johnson still leading his team and snaps at wide receiver, but ultimately now you're down two starters on the offensive line, although Nick Gates, the five snaps he played, seem to be clearing people out of the way. You got to wonder if he's close to finding his way into the starting lineup. But between those guys, they missed Daniel Bellinger greatly, both on the blocking and the receiving end. I mean, the bye week couldn't come at a better time, but not all of these guys are clearly coming back here uh, for those next two games versus the Texans or Lions. Paul, I, I think offensive injuries have really caught up with this team.
1: Oh, I don't think there's any doubt, and I also think the mental, emotional fatigue, the grind of constantly winning games in the last few minutes, week yeah. after week after week after week, having the London trip just a few weeks ago, then having to do this trip, the two toughest trips in the National Football League logistically on your body. Uh, I I, I asked Saquon Barkley in the locker room after the game, were you guys gassed? It was 13-13, fourth quarter. Did you just run out of gas?" And he said no. I mean, that's Barkley's a stand-up guy, he's gonna say no. But I thought they looked gassed. I did. Now it's interesting, you you, you wanted them to be a little more aggressive on the game planning, but they only ran the ball twice in the first quarter, and they had three three and outs. And if, if we really want to complain, my complaint was they were throwing the ball too much.
2: Maybe what? I, I and look. Not that I know that the lanes are there, and I'd have to go back on the all twenty-two. But it, it almost felt like they got away from trying to have some of that design Daniel Jones running stuff too that we saw in the second half last week. I I would have liked that. It felt like it was it was Saquon or Boston, and then the passing game. You know Jones completed a lot of those third downs. I think they had five of the third down completions in third and longs. And you have to wonder some of those routes, whether it's Slayton or what, I mean, are those routes just not there on early downs, Paul? Are they not trying to do those? Because it feels like Daniel Jones, when he gets in there and he has time and he sits back and can throw a laser, he can throw a laser. And, you know, he can complete these 10, 11-yard passes. And it just feels like they were in too many of those long-to-go situations.
1: Well, there were. There were. I want to give Seattle a lot of credit. I underestimated, based on what I saw during the course of the tape this season, That they were not going to be as stout as they were defensively. But the combination of the Giants having some repaired uh, parts on the offensive line, you mentioned Bellinger not being there. Look, I was fooled into thinking that what happened the previous week when Tyree Phillips came in and Azudu came in and they just pounded the ball and they did everything that we've seen for the first month and a half of the season, I was like, oh, well, my expectations are they'll probably be able to do the same thing again.
2: Well, that's not what happened. Well, Paul, it, Paul, I would also say, though, Tyree Phil, and I'm not trying to defend him or anything, but if the Giants and Seahawks just played this game in Jacksonville again, I do think they have a little bit of a better outcome. I think it was very clear there were serious communication issues with Daniel Jones getting these guys set and getting these guys ready with yeah. that noise.
1: Clearly. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Uh, I, I was up in the box for the first half and on the field for the second half, and it was unbelievable. Uh, Phillips, I believe had two false start penalties, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Kill uh, and, and, and to be frank, I don't think the giants and there are people who keep track of this stuff and I don't keep track of how many times you're facing, uh, in the box defensive sets. It's not one of the numbers that I keep, but I will tell you, my gut feeling is telling me that Seattle did pack the box more than anybody else against the Giants this year, specifically on early downs, which clearly impeded some of what the Giants were trying to do. And then Barkley, in my opinion, didn't have nearly as much room to run as he had. So I want to give Seattle a whole lot of credit for their scheme, their game plan, and their execution, and their physicality. I I thought they really were hungry along the line of scrimmage. Although I will tell you, Sean, there were at least – at least three or four runs during the course of the day, where I thought the Giants were probably a shoelace from having a big play.
2: And and, and I felt Jones like that for sure. Got tripped up. the Jones one specifically, I remember that clearly. Yeah. Before we go to the defensive side of the ball, just because I mentioned his name, it's worth reiterating, Paul. I mean, that's that is an impressive five snaps from Nick Gates getting feisty, clearing the way on the touchdown. I mean, he's a guy clearly every giant fan we're going to root for, but you look around at some of the giants offensive line woes over the past years. And Nick Gates was a guy that truly developed and came along, you know, I don't mean to accelerate this process, but he's active now for a game here week eight ahead of the bye and he's moving bodies. Not that Feliciano is going to lose his, his center job by any means, but we've had kind of a rotating, uh, you know, door here at left guard. I know they signed Gluwinski to be there. I mean, at what point do you do you think it takes another injury before you could see Nick Gates starting a game on the offensive line here? Well, the team is in
1: today for corrections as we tape this on Monday morning. Uh, I believe some of the guys will be in for treatments again, and maybe some film work on Tuesday, uh, maybe. And then they're off the rest of the week until they they get back, uh, you know, because they have the bye week coming up this right. weekend. So physically, I don't think they're going to be hitting the practice field again until Monday of next week. Now, I knew that Gates was going to be kind of partitioned in, if you will, a little bit, and he was with those five snaps but I don't think there's any doubt that if he continues to show what he's shown so far at practice, they will accelerate his development. And I don't think it's out of the question. And I said this last week, that at some point you may see him inserted into the starting lineup. It could be at either guard spot. It could be at the center spot. Does it
2: really matter? If he's one of the best fives, shouldn't he be on the field? I right. look, I agree, Paul. And I think that it's worth noting, and the reason I say that, and this could kind of transition to the defensive part of it, is that this coaching staff has shown that they will, doesn't matter who, you know, basically starts the season as some kind of starter, they will adjust if somebody's outperforming and, and worthy enough offensively. I mean, geez, Marcus Johnson was on the practice squad. I mean, again, I still think the Giants need to upgrade at wide receiver, but he's playing all these snaps when David Sills was the guy playing the majority of the snaps earlier in the year. He's now leading the snaps. But defensively, we saw it, um, obviously, uh, geez, now I'm stumbled over yesterday with Jalen Smith. And clearly Tate Crowder. They they slide Tate Crowder over. Now it was Jalen Smith playing more of the Mike linebacker. Oh, by the way, we saw it with Jalen Smith kind of coming in with Austin calitro who started the year. This is a team that's not afraid to make adjustments based on performance, which is why I bring up the Nick Gates thing. And it leads me right into the defensive thing. What did you think of? Because I, I was a fan of it. I think Tate Crowder was much better as a Will Kind linebacker next to Blake Martinez. And to do that now and have Jalen Smith kind of take over the mic duties, I was in favor of that yesterday, Paul.
1: Yeah, I thought that went pretty well. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Going into the game, I think certainly my philosophy, and I think it was theirs, and I, I, I think most would agree, deal with Kenneth Walker. He had had two big games in a row and destroyed right. the Chargers the previous weekend. It seemed to me, take care of that run game, and Geno Smith probably is not going to be able to beat you by himself. And right. they did take care of Walker. I mean, I the run defense was pretty damn good yesterday. I mean, I it, so. look, let me look at my notes here. I thought second.
2: that was Leonard Williams' best game of the year, too, to be
1: honest. Leonard Williams was sensational. I, I want to say, what did they hold, hold the Seattle? To three for 13 on third downs?
2: It felt like that, yeah. I, I mean,
1: I and I, I even said to Julian Love after the game, I caught him on the field, all right, for the MSG show, and I said, Julian, you held them to under 90 yards rushing as a team, three for 13 on third downs, but yet you wind up giving up 27 points. If I told you that before the game, you would have said no, right? And, and what it obviously came down to, the two special teams uh, uh, fumbles, right. which which were, were gimme points. Jeez,
2: Paul, Paul, one of them. They didn't even need to move the ball. They literally where they got right. the ball. They kicked
1: the three from. Right, right. So two special teams gimme, gimme, gimme uh, scoring opportunities. Obviously, the bomb where Adoree Jackson got beat. We know Lockett dropped one also, right. but then he got beat on the other side uh, with with a very similar play. Uh, busted coverage on Metcalf in the end zone. And by the way, the Giants practiced against Metcalf all week. They had a pseudo 14 going all week because they were prepping like he's going to play. Don't believe everybody else. And yet it it turned out to be that that was the case. And Metcalf killed him. He killed him. and And, And they had a busted coverage where Love and McKinney couldn't figure out who was supposed to cover him in the end zone. And so they
2: gave them a free touchdown there, too which is what I was going to bring up next. And you and I might disagree on this. And and by the way, before you say that, I do want to give a little bit of a tip of the
1: cap to McFadden. Uh McFadden, McFadden played a lot, Yeah, played a lot yesterday. I thought Landon Collins would play more, even though they elevated him. It was McFadden
2: who suddenly yeah. earned a whole ton of snaps. And and, and blue he did okay. He blew pass cross for us. I mean, that was a legitimate sack. That wasn't any coverage sack. What he blew pass cross and did that. And oh, by the way, Timon Fox was great yesterday too, all over the best field. Game, best game of his rookie season. Fox is becoming a bit of a player here for the Giants. He is. you know, Not, not that he's a star, a stud by any uh, value, but a nice depth piece off the edge, sets the edge well. I like Timon Fox. But you bring up DK Metcalf and you bring up Tyler Lockett. And the reason – You know, I look at the difference in this game and say not only is it Richie James fumbling the ball, but I mean, Paul, we could value picks and I'm all in favor of that. I do think it still behooves the Giants to find a way to do something at the wide receiver position, something with that. You don't have to give away the whole future to do it. I mean, if it got out of hand and you're talking about first, second round picks, I get it. I wouldn't do it. But there are enough names out there. Yes, they paul, and Marcus Johnson's leading the team at snaps. They got you know we want to see the growth of Daniel Jones. And really know. Give him something to work with here, Paul. Something.
1: I look, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you the receiver's room is not challenged because it is. Sean, I mean, they, they, there's so much overwhelming evidence that this this core is so thin. They're clearly hampering the team. Um uh, yeah. The tight end position doesn't help. You know, Kagea got in for some snaps. They did throw him a pass. It didn't work out.
2: Yeah. Oh, by I the way, hoping- by the way, I thought that was Jones's worst play of the day. If he hits him on that, it could be. A I know. A ball game too. Dan- Daniel didn't play well. By the way, I, uh, we've kind of buried that part of it. It was, he did not play very well. It was it was a poor game for Daniel. Jones. Yeah, it was. Look, it wasn't a good game, but that was one of those games where I'm watching him play and I'm going, he's definitely not dealing with the crowd noise well. Trying to get these guys in the offensive line in order. But this is why I'm coming back to this. If he's well, not going to. help, right? right give him some the, help. If, if he's not going to play well, I want to know that it's completely on him that he's not playing well. And ha- I mean, who the heck is getting open for this team? You know, Slayton did a good job yesterday. And I think Slayton has earned his keep that he should be here, being the. Yes. Depth. Like to me, it needs to be Slayton, Wandell Robinson, and somebody else. And if that somebody ends up being Kenny Galladay or Foster in the second half, and they really are exceptional fine but i can't put my eggs in that basket i i just can't and i i'm sorry i know that this is a process but the fact remains that they are 6 and 2 in a week nfc and do i think that adding chase claypool makes them a, a super bowl contender no i don't But I also think that I want that because I want to know still about the future of my quarterback and the offense and everything else that goes with it. I want to see how this looks. I think trading for a wide receiver isn't just about this year. There's so much bigger thing. It's about the evaluation of the whole thing because I can't evaluate this damn thing with Marcus Johnson and David Sill playing. somebody's stop.
1: I was disappointed that Wondell Robinson did not get four targets, only three, and the couple of passes that he caught were kind of worthless anyway. Uh, that disappointed me a lot. I will tell you, when I looked at this game and I said, okay, what were some of the gimmies or the things right. that I thought had to happen in this game? I mean, the, the the Seahawks, second most yards after the catch in the NFL. I mean, Wondell Robinson is the kind of guy, in my mind, who needed to be more featured in this passing game. I agree. And they they didn't even basically even look at it all day long. That was a problem for me. I, I needed more production out of him. And maybe if you had gotten that, you'd be a little less upset about the room right now. Right. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. The room does badly need an upgrade. I just don't know at what cost right. do you do it. And right. my feeling is that, that Joe Shane – is going to need
2: the right cost for him to pull the trigger. And I don't know that that's out there. Well, Paul, and this kind of is my problem. And, you know, this comes with everything in life, right? It's it's either this or the other. There's no middle ground on anything with everything in life, right? And my point on this is if you are anti the John Zanian wide receiver, the reason I keep hearing is stay the course, stay the process, keep your picks, Joe Shane values picks. You can't, you know, this, that, and the other thing and the cap and all this. And it's about the future. It's not about this year. And the counterpoint is, you know, your six wins, you got to do this, got to do this, but why can't it be about both? Why you don't have to mortgage the entire future. I mean, if the Broncos right. are telling you that, you know, you got to give the second rounder up for Jerry Judy and that's it. And that's the end of it. Or, uh, you know, they get DJ Moore, Not only you take it on salary. We want to first pick Of course. You don't do that, but if you could find a way, I mean, geez, you know, the chiefs, the Kansas city chiefs just gave us a three and a six for Kadarius Tony. Right. I mean, there, there are deals like that out there. I'm sure. I'm sure there are where you can manipulate it, where you don't feel like you've just traded a whole next draft and abandoned ship. I I, I can't imagine that there's not a middle ground on this thing. I refuse to believe that. And by the way, I, I trust that Joe Shane is going to do his diligence too. So it's kind sure. of silly. I'm not I'm not yelling at Joe Shane. Don't do you know do it. I think he will do what's right for the team. But just this argument that they shouldn't do it because of this, that, and the other, I think is silly. Oh, I and and I'm with you, Sean.
1: I, I'm absolutely with you. If you can upgrade that room, you need to do it. And philosophically, I agree with you. I'm simply trying to tell you the reality of the situation is I'm not sure that Joe Shane is finding that right trading fit yeah. to make it happen, based on his reluctance to part with with high picks. That's all. I I, I just don't know that the climate yeah. is available for him to go swimming. Now, at I, the same time, okay, at the same time. The trade deadline is upon us now, and by the time we meet again, we will have the opportunity to see if any of these receivers actually do move right. and what their prices are. That will be a much more interesting conversation because either you and I will sit here and say, well, guess what? None of those guys who were supposed to be on the block moved, so clearly the prices were too high around the league, and you can't right. blame guys for not making deals,
2: or... Someone's going to get traded for a sixth round pick, and you're going to be very angry. Exactly. No, you're right, though. It could be one way or another. I may be very upset, or or I'll live with it. But the here's my fear, Paul, because you mentioned Daniel Jones. I at six and two, I'm very happy. I'm so happy with the progress of the team. My fear here in the second half of the year is the team continues to win some games, has some losses like that. They get to that ten win marker, which only again takes four wins. They're in the playoffs. I don't want to have the what-do-you-do-with-Daniel-Jones conversation. I want an answer. And to me, if this wide receiver position is not in some way tinkered with or the attempt isn't there to upgrade, I don't know how you can actually answer that question if you're leaning negatively towards Daniel Jones at the end of the year. I really don't know how you answer that. I think they're leaning positively towards Daniel I think Jones. Doing, oh, you know what, Paul, before you finish, I'm sorry, I'm thinking a mile a minute. That's the right. reason I bring this up is, what was the biggest question mark about the Philadelphia Eagles entering this year? When you looked at their roster was, yeah, but do they have a quarterback? And guess right. what? With A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts looks like a pretty damn good quarterback. <laughs> I think I might be the MVP of the league. The biggest question Philly had has been answered because you know he has wide receivers and you see what he looks like geno smith as dk metcalf and tyler lockett my goodness suddenly geno smith the clc looks may not be drafting a quarterback and right. who looks like absolute butt cheeks right now aaron Rodgers because he lost davante adams the point yeah. here is there's a pattern now in the nfl <laughs> where i'm seeing guys who had questions with that quarterback look like quarterbacks because they have wide receivers and guys who are great quarterbacks suddenly look like other bull crap because they have no wide receivers i don't want that for daniel jones Perry Mason, you have made your case. <laughs> Damn it, Paul. Damn it. That was what – it hit me. That's what I wanted to bring up. But
1: there. You no, go. hey, again, I, I want to make this very clear. I agree with you. I would love to see that receiving core upgraded. Uh, I, I think the one thing that, that, that will disturb me a little bit as I look back over the first half of this Giants season during the bye week I will be disturbed, obviously, that Galladay and Robinson did not give them more in the first half of the season. I will also be a bit more disturbed that Barkley was not giving them more downfield plays in the passing game. Barkley certainly has done a lot for this team, and and I'm not blaming him in any way, shape, or form. What I'm saying is, but what I'm saying is, I did think that they would make him a little bit more of a vertical downfield threat. Running the wheel routes, lining him up outside, maybe a little bit more with empty backfields and so forth and so on, because he is a mismatch. Now, I've seen that stuff during the course of the offseason. And maybe that's why I got teased. And they haven't brought all that stuff out yet. I know it I know you guys are tired of hearing about this, but the fact of the matter is they still have chapters that have yet to be opened.
2: Well. Hopefully, the second half, we see some of those damn chapters, Paul. <laughs> Not like my wife reading the same book on the beach for five years, and she never finishes it. All right, Paul. There's a lot of sand in those pages, too. It's, oh, a ton. Falls out of the SUV every time I open it up. Will you finish this damn thing already? All right. Paul, let's end with this on a lighter note, okay? We we're taping this on Halloween. What kind of candy does Paul Dettino give out at his house?
1: Uh, Kit Kats today. Ooh. Kit Kats, Three Musketeers,
2: m ms Okay. Uh, now, Paul. Do you give out based on what you like or what you think the kids like? Well, here's the thing. We used
1: to always give out what the what we thought the kids would like, right? right. And we'd be stuck with a lot of leftover candy because, obviously, in recent years, there have been many fewer children ringing doorbells, sure. okay? So what happens then, you have all this candy left over, and if you don't like that particular candy, Screw now what do you do with it? It sits there for who knows how long. And that doesn't do anybody any good. So a few years ago, I finally told told my wife, I said, listen, we should really start trying to buy
2: stuff that we know we can eat the leftovers for. Uh, Paul, it's not the worst take. There you go. (laughs) You're knocking on the Tatino house. It's Kit Kats for everybody. My father would love it. Uh, I'm going Twix and Snickers and all that good stuff as well. Uh, hey, 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 who knows? And if you keep downloading, maybe you'll get more full-size bars at my house. So please subscribe free on the Odyssey app, and of course, anywhere podcasts are downloadable. Paul, you can follow you on Twitter at GiantsWFAN, and you can follow me at MorazCBS. Thanks for taking one giant step again. Good luck.